You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Daw, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Got a lot of things to get to today. Going to be recapping Kentucky's trip to the Bahamas. Five things we learned from the trip, all of them positive. We're also going to finally dive into the John Calipari Mark Stoops comments, the the back and forth that they've had on social media. Going to give my thoughts on that. Now that everybody's kind of gotten an opportunity to, to uh, speak, I've gotten to see everybody's opinion on this. I'm going to give my, my thoughts here uh, as we are less than two weeks away from the start of college football. Really, really glad that those two uh, decided to go at it. Uh, over something that is not directly on the field related. And then finally, we're going to talk about the AP Top 25 for football. That has been released. Going to talk about where Kentucky lands. Going to talk about whether or not that's a good or a bad thing for the Wildcats. It's making history either way. To recap the Bahamas here, though, to get things started, five things we learned from the trip. Obviously, Kentucky uh, playing really, really well in all four games. The final game against the Bahamas, arguably the toughest game of the entire uh, uh, trip there. The, uh, the Wildcats really did struggle. They were down by eight, I believe, at one point in the first half. They were down by one at half, but they eventually came away with a 98-74 to win over the Bahamas national team. The uh, other three opponents, we've talked about them, I believe, on the show. The D- uh, Dominican Republic Select team, Kentucky beat 108-56. to uh, Monterey Tech, I believe, Kentucky beat 102-40. to And then Carleton University, the Wildcats, whopped. Uh, a 118 to 56. So let's go over the five things that we've learned from this trip, all of them positive. First thing I want to say here is that Kentucky is a national title contending team. This was something that I think most Wildcat fans would have agreed uh, with having not seen this team played before their trip to the Bahamas. I think a lot of fans would have agreed, like, you know, there's still a lot of talent here. You know, we had a really good season last year. We bring back the national player of the year in Oscar Shibway. You bring in some transfers, bring in some new guys that could really uh, kind of rejuvenate, kind of kind of re-excite things here uh, from an energy standpoint, not just in the fan base, but actually in the product that you see on the court. And then we got to see Kentucky go and drill four different teams in the Bahamas, two of them that were actually like not necessarily legitimate competition. We talked about it here on the show, but you could see a couple of these teams maybe uh, play at the same caliber as somebody Kentucky would face in their non-conference slate, not talking about Michigan or Gonzaga or Michigan State, obviously, but, like, this team went out and got it done in a in a significant way against lesser talent. They went out and they played well. Their scoring margin, I believe, uh, was plus 50. I don't have it pulled up right in front of me, but I believe it was dead at plus 50, which is really, really hard to do. But still, I mean, these 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 were not great teams, and Kentucky went out. They went just. They went out and executed. They went out and executed and played really, really well. We could sit here and talk for an hour, hour and a half about all of Kentucky's different individual pieces and how they played in the Bahamas. We're probably going to reserve that for future breakdowns of individual players as the season gets closer. But as a whole, here my first takeaway: this is a national title contending team, and we're going to get into some of the things that they did well. Everything that this team did outside of maybe shoot the three consistently, uh, was impressive. 
and it was on it was on a national title level. It was that it was that caliber of play. The second takeaway I had from Kentucky's trip, Antonio Reeves is the second best scoring option on this team. He could even be first. You look at the points per game totals uh, from this uh, from this trip. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Antonio Reeves averaged 17 points per game. Oscar Shibway, if you look, was the fourth leading scorer at 11.5 points per game. Part of that, I think, was because of the game plan for these uh, for these opposing defenses. We talked about it a little bit, I believe, in our preview of Kentucky's game against the uh, Dominican Republic team. A lot of teams I thought were going to double Team Oscar Shibway, and it was going to really cause problems uh, with getting him the ball down low. But whenever he got it, incredibly efficient, as he normally is. But yeah, Antonio Reeves, 17 points per game. Uh, during this trip to the Bahamas, shot 52% from the floor, 14 of 27 from three, which is good for 51.9% from beyond the arc. Made all of his free throws, by the way. We discussed in the five things that we wanted to see out of Kentucky during this Bahamas trip, we wanted to see Antonio Reeves not just be a scorer, but be a communicator, be a distributor, we wanted to see him do everything. So he averaged, I believe, three and a half rebounds per game. I do not have his, his assist pulled up in front of me. But he distributed. He shot the ball well. He created when he needed to. He played really well in the fast break. He is a complete college basketball player. Now, whether or not that translates to the NBA, don't know who cares. We're talking about Kentucky here. He is... He has the potential... I want, I want to be careful here. He has the potential to not necessarily take over Oscar Shibwe's spot in terms of being not a leader, but a scoring leader on this team. He doesn't have, I don't think he has the, the, the ability to take that over, take that away from Shibwe because he's established himself. But I think Reeves has the potential to get right up there with him when it comes to being a player that Kentucky looks towards in times where they need to get points, whenever they need to make something happen, Reeves could be somebody that Kentucky looks to, and the national landscape of college basketball recognizes, hey, that's a really good player. You're probably going to see a lot of different Ken Palm stats that really, really praise this kid as the season goes on. He's good at this thing. Oh, he's good at this thing. He's really, really good at this thing. I think Antonio Reeves has a lot of potential with this team, very excited about him. I think that he can translate well to the SEC after getting to see him play. I think that this kid is going to be, he's going to be special. Speaking of kids that look special, Jacob Toppin. Okay, we talked about him needing to average or score, excuse me, 13 points in every single game that Kentucky played. He didn't do that. But he did average 16.8 points per game in the four contests that the Wildcats played. Listen to this. So he averaged 24 minutes per game. Shot 56.5% from the field, 53% from three, averaged five and a half rebounds, got eight blocks in four games. That isn't that is insane. That is insane. I did not expect Jacob Toppin. He 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 really did play well against Carlton and the Bahamas national team. Play it played very, very well against Carlton. I believe he had 27 points in that matchup. But just the way that he went out and executed on the offensive end was not startling because you see the athleticism, you see the potential there, but it was it was very eye-opening 
okay? Because we talked, we, we, we've talked a lot about Kentucky's offense, right? And whether or not they need to change things, whether or not they need to do things differently. Do they need to do things differently if Jacob Toppin is scoring and playing at that high of a level? And I don't expect him to average 17 a game this season, but, and I also don't expect him to shoot 53% from three. I do expect him to be taking a lot more this year. But if he can truly, as a senior, break out and grow into this third scorer, this third player in the, in the scoring department, when you look at Reeves, Toppin, Oscar Shibwe, I mean, yeah, he looks like a first-round talent, looks really, really comfortable out there. You don't really need to change a whole lot of your offense. He looks like a first-round talent. And I'm very, very pleased to see him kind of expand his game. Really, really good, really, really fluid jump shot. And, it, man, he's really, really bouncy. If he's able to elevate it consistently, you may say, well, he's not going to shoot as well from three against uh, other teams. I mean, this is a six foot eight, six foot nine kid that has got a really, really nice jump shot, gets really, really high in the air and elevates. I don't think it's, it's going to be difficult to contest his shot is what I'm saying, regardless of whatever opponent he's playing. So Jacob Toppin looks like a first-round talent. Defense will be this team's strength. I know we're talking a lot here about offense, about what they're able to do. The defense, I think, is going to be this team's strength. We talked about uh, we talked about Jacob Toppin getting what was that, an average of two blocks per game. Kentucky, throughout the trip, got a total of twenty nine uh, blocks per uh, blocks, which uh, average out, averages out to seven point three, which I believe is about three three and a half more than they had last year. Part of that is because some of the teams that they played were undersized. And so I think you have to ask the question, okay, the tallest player that Kentucky has on this team is six foot nine. Are they really going to be blocking uh, opposing team shots as much? And I think now that we start to reflect on, okay, what, what makes a good defense good, I don't necessarily think shot blocking is the hallmark or the defining statistic of a really, really good defense. Because if you go and you watch these games that Kentucky played in the Bahamas, you'll notice something. It's not the height that they had over some of these guys. To me, it was the length. Guys like Damian Tollins, James, uh, uh, Jacob Toppin, Oscar Shibwe, Chris Livingston, they've got length. They've got really, really long bodies. They've got really, really long arms, and they were swallowing up space on the defensive end, covering passing lanes, and contesting shots at the rim. They don't need to be seven feet tall when you're a guy like Damian Collins and you can jump as high as he can and you've got arms as long as he does. Kentucky doesn't have to be a good shot blocking team or be necessarily extremely tall to be a good defensive team. They played with intensity. They played within themselves. They communicated Antonio Reeves, like I mentioned, doing a better job of communicating. They all played well within their role on defense and man, Jacob Toppin had some insane blocks. Uh, in this game, I will say, if we're going to sit here and talk about blocks, I mean, they had a couple really good ones. But yeah, I was impressed with the way that Kentucky played on the defensive end in these four games. And I think that it's not necessarily going to translate over to the extreme that it did in these four games. Because again, the most an opponent scored was 74 points and the other four or three opponents didn't score more than 56 but I think you're going to see Kentucky's defensive intensity not carry them, but be prominent in some of these bigger non-conference games that we'll see here in just a couple of months. So that's another thing. And the final thing that I'll point out here, 
before we move on. Pace is something I think Kentucky needs to operate perfectly. Now, they can operate well without pace. They can operate decently without running up and down the court. But things work almost to perfection whenever Kentucky gets to speed the game up. And we talked about this, man. I have been... I've been dying to do a legitimate game breakdown. I cannot wait until the non-con gets here. Cannot wait until the season opener gets here to kind of break down a game, talk about pace and different things like that, and X's and O's. But you watch the way Kentucky played in these games, and the moments where they got on runs, the moments where they really started to push things down onto the opponent, they were getting out in transition and they were running, and they were speeding the opponent up on defense. When you watched Kentucky last season, some of their best moments included applying pressure on the defensive end, getting out in transition, making the opponent bring the ball up the court quicker, and kind of starting to cause not necessarily chaos, but starting to build some momentum, kind of build a rhythm that was uh, faster than the opponent would have liked. Pace makes this team go from an efficiency standpoint, I think. Now, the final question you have to ask about this, and you can ask this about, I think, every single other takeaway on this list is, okay, this was four games of the Bahamas. How much can you really glean from this? And also, how much can you actually take from these takeaways and apply it to Kentucky's actual season? Because the competition that they're going to face is going to not necessarily be significantly better, but it's going to be a lot better. It's going to be a lot better than what Kentucky faced in the Bahamas, at least most of the teams that they play. So I think that's a question you have to ask about the, about the pace. Like, okay, what if Kentucky faces a team with some real athleticism that also likes to run as well? I think Kentucky, again, just look at their length. If they can shoot the ball well, if they can shoot the ball well, their length, their athleticism, I think either matches well with any team in the country or is maybe better than any team in the country. Now, you have to be careful when you make statements like that Because you can run into a St. Peter's team that is arguably one of the, I wouldn't say, it wasn't, they weren't one of the least athletic teams in the field last year, but they were not impressive. And you may run into a team that just is really, really good with X's and O's and knock down shots when they, when they weren't expected to. So those are five takeaways from Kentucky basketball's uh, trip to the Bahamas. If you've got thoughts, leave them in the comments below. Would really appreciate, uh, re- really appreciate your you, uh, your feedback on Kentucky's trip to the Bahamas. Again, not a whole lot to glean from it, but still, really, really exciting to see what the Wildcats were doing. All right, before we move on to John Calipari and Mark Stoops and their feud on social media, which is great, I say that sarcastically. I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. You can head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl here with you. John Calipari versus Mark Stoops. Why are we doing this? 
Why are, why are we doing this? Okay, so John Calipari, if you have not seen this, first of all, bless you, but if you have not seen this, John Calipari was doing an interview during his trip to the Bahamas, and he was asked about upgrading the facilities for the basketball program. The practice facilities, I believe, specifically. I may be mistaken. And this is a quote. This was a quote from an article from the Athletics' Kyle Tucker. And this is what went viral on Twitter just a few days ago. This is what John Calipari said. Said, this is a basketball school. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. No disrespect to our football team. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls, but this is a basketball school. That is what John Calipari said. That is a a quote from the, uh, I believe, the video that KSR took, if I'm not mistaken. And essentially what, what Calipari was saying is that, man, this is a basketball school. We should have better facilities for the better sport, I guess is essentially what he was trying to say. Now, immediately, you, you think if you read that, it's like, that is so offensive, right? Why would he say that? At what point does that benefit anybody in your program, in the university? Who does that help? And, you know, we really didn't get an answer to that. We didn't really get an explanation as to who that helped. So Mark Stoops, the, the Kentucky football coach, quote tweeted it, the Kyle Tucker uh, tweet, if I'm not mistaken, and said, basketball school, I thought we competed in the SEC. Hashtag four straight postseason wins. You note there that Stoops did not say bowl wins. He said postseason wins. Kind of taking a jab, at least I feel like, at John Calipari not getting getting a postseason win uh, this past year. And Stoops retweeted some things others others were saying. I saw about, you know, you know, the, the comments that John Calipari made, you know, those are offensive to the football team. You know, players started, I believe Max Duffy had a tweet. Uh, saying somebody the like we haven't lost to St. Peter. I don't know who said it. It's just everybody started giving their opinion on this. And it, it, in my in my opinion, it's not like two petulant children going back and forth arguing with each other. But for these two for for these two grown adult coaches to have to go back and forth in a feud arguing over no my 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 sports better no my sports better no my sports better no this is a football school no this is a basketball school guys first of all like I mentioned a, a second ago who does this benefit if you Calipari are trying to get new facilities why would you complain and gripe about something else that is happening with another sport. In your own program, in your own university. Why would you say that? Because Mitch Barnhart kind of came out and said, I'm going to side with the football coach on this one because, you know, he's not really asked for a ton. He's kind of stuck with me. And you, however, you've been a little bit of a problem. You've been a little bit of a problem. Now you've won, but I'm going to side with the football uh, football, uh, coach here because I can't get behind bashing uh, one one of my sports. And, you know, Coach Cal said after, I think, Kentucky's third game of the Bahamas that, that he, he apologizes. He said, you know, I'm not a real smart guy. It's the Italian in, in me. I said the wrong thing. And then he tweeted this out. And this is a direct quote from his tweet. He said, I was told comments about Mark Stoops made in his press conference, which I believe Mark Stoops in a press conference just sat there and was, was obviously upset. 
Cal said, I reached out to Mark Thursday and we'll try again. Comparing our, our athletic department to others was my bad. I have supported Mark and the football team through the good and bad. I will continue to support them and cheer them on. Now I'll do what I've done for 30 years, coach my, uh, coach my team and block out the clutter. Homie, you made the clutter. You were taking out the trash and you spilled it all over the kitchen floor. That was you that dropped that trash bag. Nobody else did it. Okay, Kyle Tucker. Now, some people may sit there and complain and say, oh, well, Kyle Tucker didn't get the full quote or, oh, things were misinterpreted. It's clear it was it was a, it was a correct interpretation because the coach is apologizing. The coach is actually apologizing. People may get mad at Kyle Tucker. Guys, this was started by John Calipari deciding that he was going to say something that he openly admits was stupid. Again, I want to go back to, this is, this is kind of my, my takeaway from all of this. Everybody sitting here giving their opinion on all of this. Who does this benefit? And also, and, and this, this, may sound, this may sound harsh because I know there are a lot of Kentucky fans listening to this podcast that probably care about the programs and the university and the culture and making sure that, you know, we promote a healthy environment with whenever our coaches discuss things with each other or talk about their, their respective programs. I'm going to say this. Who cares? Okay, who cares? Right? For me right now, personally, I don't care what this guy has to say about upgrading the practice facilities if he's going to bash another one of our, our sports. I don't care that Mark Stoops feels the need to comment and say, guys, this is offensive. Now, obviously, it is offensive. Let's not, get it, let's not get it skewed. I'm not ignoring the problem here. I'm not saying that these things aren't legitimate. What I'm saying is I don't care. Do you know why I don't care? Because we are less than, we are less than two weeks to the start of uh, football officially, but we are less than three weeks away from Kentucky's opener against Miami of Ohio. We have started fall camp. We've got fall camp notes. We're going to talk about that on tomorrow's show. Why do we feel the need in college football and within Kentucky also specifically, if we're going to talk about the Wildcats here, here for a second, over the past two, two and a half years, every time we feel like we're going to finally get to discuss on the field football and basketball related things, another thing pops up. There's NIL. There's Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. There's the transfer portal. College football and college basketball right now can't stay focused on college football and college basketball. As a fan of the sport, I'm so tired of watching people and coaches and people in power argue about things that aren't happening on the field. And the thing is, we can discuss that in the offseason. We can discuss those things. I'm not saying those are inherently bad, but it's not the season to talk about it. Guys, football and basketball is about to happen. Can we talk about the season? Can we talk about what's actually going to happen? Because I feel like there's been so much focus and attention put on all these things that surround the sport that when we actually get into the sport and these coaches are having to keep up with NIL, the transfer portal, making sure kids are happy, recruiting their own roster after they get the freaking kid on campus, things are kind of starting to water down. The product is starting to water down. We're starting to see things matter less that used to make the sport special. And so I just want to see, I just want to see us as a collective, fans, coaches, people in the athletic departments, everybody in power, including the people that are working the TV deals, 
I want to see everybody do their thing, right? I want to see them work on these TV deals and these NIL deals and stuff like that, but I want to see us start to focus on the actual product. I want to see us start to focus on the games and the players and the schemes and the, and the schedules. I want to see us start focusing on that because we are literally less than three weeks away. And I'll also say this, just kind of wrap this up here. So Paul Feinbaum, I know a lot of you, I say his name, and I already see you rushing to the comments. Guys, who cares about what Paul Feinbaum has to say? And y'all don't sound like that. Although I've heard some callers call into his show and others and, and say things almost exactly like that. Feinbaum decided to chime in on this whenever he was asked about it. I believe on Greg McElroy's podcast or show. And Feinbaum essentially said that... You know, this is that Coach Cal is not the best place, or excuse me, Kentucky's not the best place for Coach Cal to be, and Kentucky's making a bad decision with him, and that everything about this stinks uh, for Cal and the basketball side of things, and he kind of sided with Stoops. I'm going to read some quotes here from Feinbaum. Feinbaum said, I mean, are you guys telling me you can't find a coach better than John Calipari right now? Billy Donovan? I'm just throwing a name out there. A young coach who was up and coming, take your pick. John Calipari is really no longer the best option for the University of Kentucky. Uh, first of all, gosh, man, if only Feinbaum had been listening to all of us here within the Kentucky media world just a few months ago, whenever a small portion of the fan base, a loud portion of the fan base was calling for things to change. If only he was listening as we kind of very slowly broke down, okay, if he were to get fired, and the reason being that he's not winning national titles, he's not getting to Final Fours, is there a coach out there that Kentucky could logically pull from their job or logically hire that would do that, that is not locked into a lifetime contract himself? Is there a coach out there that could do that? Now, there are coaches that could do that in the sport. Don't get me wrong. But the ones that could aren't leaving their jobs. The ones that could aren't leaving their jobs. So it's really, really difficult to sit here and say, Calipari's not the best option for the University of Kentucky. That may be that may be true. We could sit here and argue about that. That may be true. There's not a better option that Kentucky could logically go and get right now. So it's not necessarily we're stuck with him because he is a good coach, but we're stuck with him. Something else that Feinbaum said. Complaining about how, you know, Calipari made everything about the Bahamas trip about himself, which I disagree with, but I'm going to read the quote. Feinbaum said they had the stage to themselves. Four days in the Bahamas and Calipari blew it. Quite frankly, I don't know where he goes to get it back. Just listening to our audience, and we have a lot of Kentucky fans that call in, they're very mixed on him right now. Dude, they were very mixed on him back in the spring. Not a whole lot has changed, and to be quite honest, these comments that I personally believe should not have been made, shocker, Yeah, I don't really think they change where the fan base as a whole stands on him. I also think that the, the Bahamas trip was not all about Calipari. It was about what was actually happening with the team. You go and read, and you go and listen, and you go and look anywhere on the internet. You will see discussions in Kentucky areas about John Calipari and Mark Stoops, but you will also see a lot of positivity talking about the team and their ability to do some special things this season. It was not all about him during this trip. I 
personally paid way less attention to what Stoops and Calipari were saying because, again, I want to talk about what's actually stinking happening on the court and on the field. I paid way more attention to, guys, Jacob Toppin's playing really well. Damian Collins is playing out of his mind. Now, he didn't hit a three, but still he's playing well. Cason Wallace, Adu Thierro, Chris Livingston, and Antonio Reeves, and C.J. Frederick, these newcomers, although Frederick's been in the program, guys, they're really, really good players. I'm excited about this rotation, about this team, about their ability to go and potentially win a title or get close to it. I think that we're making things about things that don't matter. And I know that's a weird way to phrase that. But I want to follow this up here with a final quote from Feinbaum, and then we'll get to the AP Top 25. Feinbaum essentially said, everything right now is about football. And he said this, and it's a direct quote, I don't need to explain Kentucky basketball, but you and I understand in 2022, when billion-dollar deals are being made across the board, it's about football. It's not about basketball. You might have legitimately been able to have heard Mike Shusetsky uh, say a year ago that we're a basketball school, but even at Duke today, you probably couldn't make that statement, and you certainly can't make it at Kentucky. I think you could probably make the statement at Duke. Um, now, it, pro- it wouldn't be received well, but I feel like the national media would be the, the ones that weren't so thin-skinned, the media types that weren't so thin-skinned, they had to comment on this. I feel like a lot of people would say or not say, they would just quietly agree, yeah, Kentucky, or excuse me, Duke's football program uh, has never really been phenomenal, and the basketball program historically one of the best. And it's a basketball school. Shocker. Just because we pointed out doesn't make it offensive. It's true. It's a fact. It's a basketball school. And I also want to point this out. Okay, so a lot it, it is it is important right? That billion dollar deals are being made, that college football clearly from a financial standpoint, from a revenue generation standpoint, does a lot more things than what college basketball does. From a national perspective, Paul Feinbaum is right. He's wrong though about saying that everything is about football because there are so many schools across the country that care so much more about basketball and are in the, in the, the fans and the university so much more invested in basketball that it makes no sense to say everything is about football. Kentucky being a prime example. He said, I don't need to explain Kentucky basketball. You're you're right, you don't. That's the end of the sentence. I don't need to explain Kentucky basketball. It is one of the best, if not the best, program out there for basketball. The school, the fan base, is naturally going to be more inclined to talk about basketball. No matter how much people say or comment now, oh, the football program's doing well, this is a football school now. It's not. It's the same thing with you Auburn fans out there that say it's a basketball school now. No, it's not. Shut up. It's not. It's not what you think it is because the majority of the fan base still holds true to Kentucky basketball. And I know that there are going to be some of you in the comments that say, well, Lance, that's a little harsh because like the football team's doing really, really well and like we support it and it's more interesting to us now. I'm not discounting that. Enjoy what you want to enjoy. And also, don't misconstrue this. The football program's doing well right now. It's fun to watch. I like it. It's not that I dislike it. But let's be straight here. A lot more people, and it may not be you specifically, a lot, it's not necessarily me specifically. I love college football so much that we're just going to talk about the AP Top 25 here to round out the show. 
a lot more people are invested in this basketball program. At Kentucky, it is way more important. Basketball is way more important. That's all I'm going to say. That was a very, very long segment ranting about John Calipari and Mark Stoops. And it's, again, guys, three weeks away, college football. I want to talk about the AP Top 25 and just kind of maybe calm things down. I know that there's a lot of you out there that are way more upset than I am. So if you want to give your thoughts, if, if you disagree with me and say, no, we're, we're in everything school, sure, you can do that. You can leave that in the comments below. I mean, right now, I, I think that's the best argument you could possibly make. I mean, if we're going to be serious here, I mean, didn't Kentucky win a national championship in rifle, right? We a rifle school? Like, it, it's, it makes no sense to argue about whether or not we're this or that or we're, we're whatever. Kentucky, it's, it's not... It's not Basketball's more important. Football's on the rise. Can we not just say that basketball's more basketball's more important to the general Kentucky fan base and the national uh, perspective? But dang, football's doing really, really well, and we're happy about where they're at, and they deserve to be praised for what they're doing. Can we not just say that? All right, before we get to the AP Top 25 here, guys, I want to just remind you to sub- uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcast, follow, subscribe, review. I see you guys leaving reviews on podcast. I really, really appreciate it. We are over 2,000 subscribers. The goal is to get to 2,500 before the start of basketball th- season. I think that we can do it. Let's see if we can get there. Really appreciate the sport- support from the channel. A lot, of really, a lot of positivity as we move into the college football season. I'm very thankful for that. All right, the AP Top 25, it has been released. It was released yesterday at uh, 12 o'clock Eastern, and Kentucky comes in the poll, into the poll at number 20. I believe it's the fifth time in school history that they have been ranked inside the AP Top 25 to start the year. I may be wrong. I've seen that several places, and I put it down on my notes. So if one of you says that's incorrect, my apologies. So Kentucky finished at number 18 in the poll last year. They enter the poll this year at number 20. Uh, sandwiched in between two other SEC schools, I might note, Arkansas at number 19, Ole Miss at number 21. One of the things I want to know right off the bat here before I just kind of discuss my overall thoughts about this, it's really, really difficult to put a lot of stock in any preseason poll. Although I will note, I believe over the past Gosh, 15, 16 years, the preseason number one has only gone on to win the national title once. That's not, that's not, that's, uh, that's a fact. You can look that up. It actually was, I believe, Alabama in 2016, 17, if I'm not mistaken. It's the one time that the preseason number one actually went on to win the national title. Bama is the preseason number one in this year's poll. They have reloaded, as Nick Saban uh, has briefly stated. Last year was a reloading year. They are ready to go this year. Don't really know how 13-2 and two is a reloading season, but whenever you kind of break down the individual things that Alabama had going on on the offensive line and the receiver room, I think there, are, there were areas that they could have gotten better, and they did this offseason. So I guess technically they did reload. Ohio State is at number two in this poll. Georgia, the reigning national champion, is at number three. Uh, Georgia only received three first-place votes. Alabama had 54. Ohio State had six. Nobody else in the poll had a preseason number one vote. Clemson, who won 10 games last year, had a little bit of a a down year, especially offensively, finished 14th in the poll last year. They are fourth in the AP Top 25. Notre Dame at five. I do not understand that. 
It's not because I just irrationally hate Notre Dame. It's because I just I don't see top five. I think there are a couple other teams that I would put above them. Notre Dame's like a top eight team, though. Number six, Texas A&M, eight and four. Uh, I guess nowadays qualifies you as a top six team the following year. Good job, Texas eight and four. Number seven, Utah. Out of the Pac-12, the Pac-12 favorite, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're their odds-on favorite, or at least they're tied with Oregon and USC. Number eight, Michigan. Number nine, Oklahoma. Number 10, Baylor. So two Big 12 te- uh, teams there. It's actually interesting. So the Big 12 has three teams in the top 12 and none uh, remaining in the top 25. Those are their three teams. They're all in the top 12. Baylor, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Oregon, uh, like I mentioned, at number 11. Number 12, Oklahoma State. Number 13, NC State got a lot of production coming back. Got a really good quarterback there in Devin Leary. Uh, that would actually, honestly, I know we played NC State a, a couple of years ago. I think that would be a really fun ma- uh, bowl matchup for the Wildcats at the end of the year. That would be a really fun team to play. At number 14, you've got everybody's favorite Kool-Aid drinking team uh, this offseason. If you've wanted to sip a little Kool-Aid, it's probably had a USC sticker on it if you've drank any this summer. Uh, the uh, Southern California Trojans are at number 14. Number 15, Michigan State. Number 16, Miami. Number 17, Pittsburgh. Going to be led by uh, USC transfer Keaton Slovis, I believe, this year. Number 18, Wisconsin. I do not understand that. Um, but, you know, Wisconsin's never a terrible team. Just don't know if they're top 20. Then, like I mentioned, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Ole Miss, 19, 20, and 21. Wake Forest at number 22. Cincinnati at number 23, Houston at number 24, and then finally to round out the top 25, BYU is there at number 25. So to recap, there are six SEC teams in this poll, Kentucky being one of them. They are the second lowest ranked SEC team. There are five ACC teams. There are four Big Ten teams. There are three. uh, There are three Big 12 and Pac-12 teams. Two American Athletic teams and two independents. So the SEC reigns supreme. If it were up to me, I would have had seven SEC teams in the poll. That seventh team being the Tennessee Volunteers. I know a lot of you probably grimace at that, but if we're just going to be straight here, I think that Tennessee's probably a better team than Houston. They may be a better team than BYU. I know they've got a ton of production coming back. I think Tennessee's better than Wake Forest. But Tennessee actually finished at number 26. Uh, They finished with 180 points, right behind BYU's 234. So yeah, there's the poll. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that if if I wanted to come into this show talking about the top 25, complaining about where Kentucky's ranked, I'm pretty pleased with where Kentucky's ranked. I think this is a good starting point for them this season. I think that they have... I think that they don't necessarily have a ton to prove, but they've got things to prove. If they're going to live up to the second place expectation in the SEC East that was set on them by the preseason media poll, I should say, then they have some things to prove at receiver. They've got some things to prove in the secondary. The offensive line, we're going to talk about tomorrow. Uh, there's some injuries up front for the Wildcats. There are several areas that they've got to kind of reload. And then Will Levis has to be, I think, a little bit better than he was last year uh, for the Wildcats to uh, to kind of live up to the hype. But at number 20, I think that's a great spot. You're right in between two SEC teams, one that could lose week one to Cincinnati. Arkansas plays Cincinnati week one. We're going to keep tabs on that game. Ole Miss, I do not think we'll finish in the top 25 this year. 
And, I mean, you look above Kentucky. I think Kentucky, on paper, is a better team than Wisconsin. That could be a conversation for another day. Is Miami truly ready to go? They're at number 16. Pittsburgh, what do they look like without Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison? The Blitnikoff winner at receiver there, Addison was. So, yeah, there's just a lot of questions about this preseason top 25. And you can't really glean a whole lot from it other than I like where Kentucky's starting. If we're going to talk about this as a starting point, not as necessarily like complaining about like, oh, well, this team's going to finish better than this one or, oh, this team's going to finish better than this one or yada, yada, yada. I think this is great. This is a good beginning point for the Kentucky Wildcats at number 20. If you've got thoughts on the AP poll, I doubt a whole lot of you do. Uh, just uh, sitting here complaining about it. I doubt anybody's got a, got a lot of major complaints about it. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below or... You can hit me on the socials at Locked On UK. That's actually going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK, like I just mentioned. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram. That is over at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials again. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless. <laughs>